belly and the fish. Belly, belly and the fish. Welcome, friends, to Belly and the Fish. I'm your host, Corbin, a.k.a. The Fish, and we got big old Ben Belly Smokes Hunter. What's shaking, everybody? Glad to have you, Ben. It's good to see you back in Nashville. Oh, God, I'm glad to be back. How long were you back here in Michigan? Only like six days, but the whole flight out there thing, uh, just... I love you, mom and dad, but you got to stop asking me what I'm getting out of the fridge every time I go in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure they got to keep tabs on you. I mean, with you there, you're going to eat them out of house and home. They got to know what to get from the store. Not anymore. It's going to be cranky, Ben, the next three months because the bet is on. Yep. I I do want to get something going with you officially. But at the same time, I know that you're going to smoke my ass if I actually do a base by percentage. But I just want to do it just to do it. Is well, that okay? That's fine. Yeah. You still got to pay to play. Well, how much are you thinking here? Well, uh, we don't have it, to unit shim. We'll we'll figure. No, it out it's later. it's light. It's forty nine bucks for three months, and that covers everything over the three months. There's two dollars a week, five dollars a month, ten dollars for the whole thing. That way, nobody can just run away with the thing and not catch up. So, say you lose one pound one week, and I lose one pound, you're gonna win because you're smaller than I am. Okay. But it's a pool, so. There's first, second, and third per each week. Just trust me on it. I got it down. You'll win some money. Unless well, you're a piece of shit. If you are interested in joining the belly weight loss bonanza, please send us a message. We'll get you looped in. Big money, except don't really think about winning it because belly's got the inside track. He is the odds-on favorite. I would put my money on that horse. Probably looking at about minus seven, eight hundred, but we got some new talent in this year, so it could be anybody. <laughs> Well, if I I'm the only man, I'm the only staple year after year that's in every single one, which is just not good. <laughs> but we've kept him in the dark for long enough. Welcome back, Big Mart to Belly and the Fish, your second appearance. Round two, baby. Six months ago, everybody telling you and I that we're crazy for thinking the Lions have a chance at the playoffs this year. And look where we are now. Yep. Sitting nice and pretty, eight and eight, controlling our own destiny. What do you think, Bell? I think that Mart was their initial choice for this podcast, and he was like, "No, I don't want to do it." And now that it's a hit, he wants in, just like with everything. Mark being Mart being scared initially, and then jumping on the horse. Example: Little Bo Peep costume. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've been on this Lions train for a long time, and I always had uh, true belief in this team and this regime. So. Ooh, you guys are going to be sad on Sunday. <laughs> um, I'm already getting ready for that, I know. <laughs> let's talk Chicago Bears. They came to Detroit hoping, praying that they would just get one little measly win to end their season. Guess what? It didn't happen. They'll have to get it next week against the Vikings. Lions win 41-10, to 10, the largest margin of victory in over a decade. Since 2011, when we beat the Broncos 45 to 10, it was an absolute ass whooping. And honestly, it could have been so much worse. I feel like we kind of took our foot off the gas in the second half. You kind of saw that with Jared Goff's play. You know, he was he didn't have that sense of urgency on third down when we went for it. Once on fourth down, he just kind of threw it away. Really wasn't looking to make anything happen. And it was because we were just head and shoulders, the better football team. <laughs> That's our uh, brand name drop right there. <laughs> what do you think, Mart? 
Oh man, I uh, I was nursing a slight hangover, just thinking, am I really ready to get even more injured by watching this game? I was with Tyler May, notorious Lions hater, and of course he was chirping, asking me if I was scared. First quarter, I was, but eventually they just proved to be the franchise I know they are, man. It was an awesome win, both sides of the field. I had to pick a game ball, we'll get into it later, but it, it, I had to go down a long list of guys that could have earned that, man. We were pretty much in control the entire game. Obviously, it was a little scary start with the Bears just cruising downfield, scoring that touchdown in the opening drive. Kind of helped them out that they had that penalty on that holding call by Jerry Jacobs to give them another set of downs, which ultimately led to them going to score. But uh, after that, they had the field goal. And, you know, it's a 10-7 game. And we're like, okay, maybe the Bears are going to give us some fits. I initially thought that the – that the lions would win, but the bears might cover, but they gave up real quick after that. Justin Fields was a lethal weapon for those first two drives. And then you kind of saw him getting worked on um, after that field goal. And he really didn't try and run the ball ever since he broke off those couple of runs in the first quarter. And then for the most part, he just disappeared. But yeah, the Lions had no problems getting it done offensively. In the second half, I think we scored two touchdowns on our opening drives. And after that, I mean, it was 38 to 10 the rest of the way. We really had no issues getting it done. So it's kind of boring being this good, honestly. (laughs) For about an hour there, I was just on cruise control. And I was thinking, I cannot remember the last time I was watching a Lions game, just feeling this confident, just watching an absolute thumping. And it felt so good. We're so overdue for shit like that. They definitely did give me a little bit of a scare at first, but after that, it was very short-lived. It was just like, okay, when's this game over? I'm looking forward to Green Bay at this point. Yeah, I, I do think uh, you made a point about Justin Fields slowing down. And after that long run, it looked like he came up a little limp and he was getting worked on on the sidelines. And, I mean, even if he loses 20% of his speed, that that's just going to allow our defense to get to him as we saw. And sometimes it seems like he's the only guy in that team that cares. I mean, the Bears were just demoralized. I mean, we were just pounding them, and they were missing tackles, no pressure. The line was getting bulldozed. I mean, it was a slaughtering. And, I mean, I think that's a testament of things to come next year especially. I can't wait to see more of that. Yeah. I mean, you could see it in the, the player's body language for Chicago. Justin Fields in particular, too. I mean, he was just getting the shit kicked out of him. And I felt bad for him because, I mean, he was doing work out there, but when it comes down to it, I mean, he does no receivers. He would be scrambling for his life with nobody open, and he had no protection. We were getting after him all game long. What did we have, seven sacks on the day? Seven sacks. He threw for, I think, 73 yards. I think they ran for 28 in the second half. I mean, game script got out of out of line, and – you know, he's looking down at Dante Pettis and Cole Komet trying to save the day, and that's that's just not going to get it done. It's weird because how much of that is us flipping the script and fixing the issues that we had against Carolina, and how much of that is the Bears just quitting? It's hard to tell. It's definitely a mix of both. You know, I wouldn't say that we didn't do anything different than how we did last week against Carolina. But you could tell by the way that the Bears were playing, particularly in the second half, that they had just given up. It's pretty similar to what I saw last week with the Rams and the Broncos. The Broncos have just kind of surrendered at this point. So, Yeah, I mean, division rival, it's the NFL. I mean, you can't take anybody lightly, and maybe they did against the Panthers. And, I mean, that's a lesson to be learned. And, I mean, yeah, it, it got out of hand quick. And I think the Bears are looking looking to next year at this point, though. 
Well, let's break down some of these individuals, starting with Jared Goff. Pretty much a flawless game from him in the first half in particular. He finished 21 for 29 with 255 yards passing on three touchdowns, no turnovers. He took one sack, but I mean, he just dominated all game. He looked totally in control and he really didn't even try at the end of the third and fourth quarter. Once we went up 38 to 10, he was just in cruise control. I mean, there was third and fourth down situations where you could just see that he didn't really sense that urgency to get it done because realistically this could have been even worse than it really was. I mean, we had a whole pretty much a, a quarter and a half of football left to play and we really didn't act like we wanted to put up the score on them. And I think that just kind of showed that the bears had kind of keeled over and the team could sense it too. They knew that they didn't have to put up another touchdown or two just to really make sure, put that explanation point on the game. The other thing is too, the way that we were running the ball, Jared Goff really didn't have to do a lot. 21 completions to 10 different receivers. And statistically, I mean, it's not like he, you know, this was his best game of all time, but he didn't really have to be the way that the play action was open from the run game. I mean, we got it done and we had no issues getting anything done on offense. He's really mastered Ben Johnson's offense. And then he's a no brainer to be our starter next year. I think that after these past few games, no matter what happens against green Bay, Jared Goff has earned that second look next season. And, you know, potentially further on into the future. He's only 28 years old, and this is his first year in Ben Johnson's offense. Last year, it was kind of the revolving door with Anthony, with Anthony Lynn and then Dan Campbell eventually taking over. So you've seen him start to settle in and trust his offensive line. He has that chemistry built in with the receivers. He really looks like he could be the quarterback of the future for us, at least for these next few years. I mean, yeah, I think he's taken on a whole nother vibe. I mean, you saw Jamal Williams on that big run to end the game, uh, Goff sprinting down the sidelines. I mean, that's, yep. he almost kind of got knocked by Lions fans because he just seemed kind of emotionless. And we're used to Stafford, you know, leading the pack in the beginning of the game, breaking down huddles. But Goff is embodying what we want to see out of our, of a leader at quarterback and, I mean, Ben Johnson, as you said, he was having a field day. We kept the play action going. We were up two, three scores. We didn't just start running the ball and letting it maybe get closer and taking the foot off the gas. I mean, it looked like it was practice, and we were firing on all cylinders, and you just love to see it. Like you said, I mean, Goff has hit 10 guys for completions that game. We don't – I mean, besides Amon Ra, we really don't have a go-to player besides that. doesn't matter. I mean, no Hawkinson, no problem. Uh, I think our tight ends have 12 touchdowns since we traded Hawk. Is that, is that the stat I read? I mean, yeah, it's next man up on this team. They don't care who does it. No one wants to be, you know, a, a diva, a star on this team. It's just everyone plays their role. It's exactly what the regime was preaching, you know, when they took over last year. It's what, we're wanted, what we want to be seeing. I just cannot get more excited. I mean, we'll see how this next week goes, but the future is bright. Yeah, I feel really good with Goff, what he has shown us so far. He's got one more big test to go against the Packers, and I think that we uh, are feeling pretty confident going into 2023 with him under center. So, But let's talk about those running backs a little bit because I can finally say that DeAndre Swift is back. He looked like week one Swift. That was vintage shit right there. You hadn't really seen that since he got better from the injury with a shoulder and the ankle happened in like week two or three, 
but he was making guys miss. He showed that patience and he was able to hit those gaps when they opened up. And normally you just see him kind of getting swallowed up by a defender these past few weeks, but you could see it with his efficiency, 7.1 yards per carry and two touchdowns. He didn't have a ton of volume that went to Jamal on the 22 carries, but at the same time, that's all we need from him. We need just a couple electric plays every game out of him. And he delivered a hundred percent. Our offensive line was looking great. Ben Johnson had that run game back in control, exactly how we need to finish this season and exactly how we need to be against the Packers. So I want to come on the show and have every answer and uh, act like I know what I'm talking about, but I cannot explain DeAndre Swift at this point. I mean, what a difference a week makes. Maybe it's the bears and the competition he was playing, but I don't know how he can do such a 180. I'm sure fantasy managers, some of them had him benched in the championship if they made it that far, or maybe they started him out of desperation and he finally pleased everyone that was counting on him. But, you know, I think, as we said, Goff, we can put that to rest. He's the guy. But Swift, I mean, that's going to end up being a pretty big decision to be made. But, I mean, if if this is how it's going to go, Obviously, he's, you know, a huge piece for us, but what Swift are we going to get? I I really just can't answer it. He's very polarizing. He is tough to uh, figure out. That's for sure. We just got to see some consistency out of him. We got to see him stay healthy. We've got another year to evaluate him. So I'm kicking that can down the road. I mean, but you guys, you guys are taking a lot of a lot of these takes and you the Bears are the second worst rush defense in the league other than the Texans. I get it. He had a good game, but. I'm still worried <laughs> as you should be. I mean, the, he's making cuts though. He's making guys miss. He was being decisive. And even if you're against a good defense, as long as he's doing that, he's got the speed and the talent to make a difference. Even if he's up against the Niners, Cowboys, whoever it is. Um, it's just kind of more the way he played the game and the style of it. I mean, he, there's times he did not have space, but he made space and that's the guy that we thought we had. So yeah, I mean, it could have been competition. I don't know. I, like I said, I, I don't have an answer for it, but he was definitely back to what we thought he he was. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not saying he's, you know, a top three running back in the league by any means. He definitely hasn't shown that he's a bell cow guy, but he has shown that he can make guys miss and have those efficient games. I mean, he did it against the, the Eagles, and that's one of the best run defenses in the entire NFL, and that's when they were at their healthiest in week one when he did that to them. So I don't I mean, think but that... taking taking stock from a week one thing on game 18 of the season, like or week 18, it, it's you're, you're comparing apples to oranges almost at some point and just picking and choosing it to fit the narrative. I mean, I have said that he has need to improve all season long, but you can't deny the talent on the field. You, he, he does things that other running backs simply cannot do. If he can do that consistently, I'm saying that he could be one of the best running backs in the NFL if not the best he has the potential he just needs to flash a little bit more as a three down back and to stay healthy and he can do that in 2023 obviously I'm chalking this season up as a fail for Swift but I know that the talent is there and there is good potential I'm not giving up on him it's not a three down it's not a single back league anymore man it's just not that is true. But at the same time, if you want to be paid like a top three running back, then you need to be able to produce on third downs. Look at Nick Chubb, look at Derrick Henry, look at Zeke, look at Saquon, look at Christian McCaffrey. I don't think that Swift is there yet, but he could be 
He just needs to show us another year and see what he's got. And then we can make that decision. And if now, it's a two back league, like you said, which it is, I mean, maybe that's good for this guy. Cause there's no proof that he can hold up. Maybe he's just finally healthy and over that 90% mark, you know, for health. And that's kind of the difference we're seeing now, but if he's got to go in a committee, maybe that's the best way to keep this guy fresh. I mean, he's yet to play a full season, so. He doesn't deserve top 10 money, that's for sure, because he has not proven he can be that kind of a guy. But... Why are you trying to hate on Swift, Belly? Like, he's because, not Because a it's, 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 it's a topsy-turny thing with you. Always dog shit. Always great. Always dog shit. And you're comparing it to when he played the Bears. He is back. What are you going to say? He had a bad game? Is that Everybody had a good game. How do you say he had a good game when the whole team had a good game? Because I, I... he in particular did. Let's save this for next week because we need to see that in Lambeau if we're going to win on the road in the cold against Aaron Rodgers where Goff is not nearly what he is at home. So if Swift does this next week, maybe Belly's got to step back a minute here. But up until now, I'm not going to lie, Belly's got a point. What? It's a what one is game point? sample. Did I, did I ever say, yep, Swift, like best running back of the league? No, I said he is I'm back. Sure you did week he is one. Hitting, he, he is hitting his stride right now. Perfect timing. That's what I said. I didn't say that we have to yep, sign him again. No, I said kick the can down the road. And Belly's just coming in hating on Swift. Yes, oh, I understand there's better running backs in the league. No, I'm not going back and forth. I've been totally honest about how I feel about him all season long. This was a good game. That's all I'm saying. You're a hater. Guess who else had a good game? Jamal Williams. 222 yards combined rushing between him and Swift. So why isn't he going to be top 10 next year? He had a great game. He's older. Swift has he's a potential. 27. He's yeah. I mean, that's a whole nother argument there. And I think Jamal deserves a bit of a bag here. I mean, the leadership he brings to the team post-game interview, given Swift his compliments talking about the offensive line. I mean, that's the kind of guy that they want to build this identity around. You can't put a price on leadership like that. And I mean, I think Jamal definitely deserves a new contract and that's a whole nother off season discussion. Um, I think they need to add another body to it all because let's be honest, Swift hasn't proven he can hold up. Jamal's going to be 28. Is he a bell cow? No, he's been a career, nice, solid second string guy. This is obviously a career year. We love to have him, but I think both deserve to be back. Both deserve touches and they need to add a third guy for sure. And then we'll talk about Swift. If he can upsert that guy. Yeah. Usurp. (laughs) Not bad. (laughs) We've got Thunder and we've got Lightning. They complement each other great. And that was the best performance we've had running the ball in months, close to all year. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> we got to be three fourths that good next week. And we'll see because the running game's got to be able to travel to Lambeau. And we're going to need both of these guys for one more week. I mean, I, I don't know what you're hating on, Belly, because yeah, the Bears only have three wins. They're not a good football team, but we just dropped 41 points on them. Okay. And we did that in pretty much three quarters. We Belly's point 50 is, on them is well taken. They've averaged less than three and a half yards of carry the last six weeks. And they, we've not been able to get the run game going. It's kind of gone unnoticed because the passing games propped us up enough. But those last five, six weeks, I mean, the running game has not been there. So he's, you know, maybe it is just the Bears. I don't know. It's a combination of both is what it is. Regardless, it's encouraging. We can't control who we play, Belly. We just have to do what we do. And that was an absolute ass kicking. I mean, we absolutely demolished the spread, you know? So, like, I mean, we obviously overperformed and outperformed expectations. So, 
I don't know why you're saying, yeah, but it's the Bears. Like it's it's because you spent the first 20 minutes just sucking ween. And then when I make a <laughs> counterpoint that it's the Bears, you're like, oh, why do you hate him? Why do you hate him? It's a fair <laughs> counterpoint. <laughs> I've literally said what how much is it that the Bears just gave up or that the Lions improved? I acknowledge uh, that. But the at the same so time, bad. we have so bad. Here's the fact of the matter, though. We only beat them by one, and it was due to a fourth quarter close comeback. So, and that was what seven, eight weeks ago. I mean, it's it's an NFL team. It's a division rival. You got to take care of teams like that. Same old Lions guys would be saying that's a game we would lose. We didn't do it, so we got to be stoked about a 31 point victory against a division opponent. I just think the Bears are already mailing it in. Is my whole point. They're doing what the Lions should have done in many years in the past and not win games at the end. Belly, this is the Lions. They don't win games like this, okay? It was a nice win. Quit hating. Yes, the Bears (laughs) suck. We are fantastic. But guess what? We beat them like how the Chiefs would beat the Texans. It was even closer. It doesn't matter what it is. This is a conference game. It was a tough game, and we whooped ass. You are being a hater right now. You're delusional. We are are eight. I am not delusional. We're eight and eight. On the precipice of making a playoff game, okay? We have outperformed expectations. We 100% have. You beat the over-under by one and a half games, and you're acting like we just won the NFC Championship. Uh, Going on two and a half games. It was six and a half, aren't they? Eight and eight? Yeah, and we're going on two and a half. One more. (laughs) We'll see. Mm -hmm. Anyways, yeah, running game. That's what won us this game receiving for not the best, but like I said, we really had no need to turn to Jared Goff and our receivers just because Swift and Williams were thriving, but we did have some touchdowns to Brock, Wright, The tight end. So yeah, two more touchdowns to tight ends. So that's 12 in the last nine games, like you were saying, Eric, but I mentioned earlier Goff with many different weapons. I mean, 10 different receivers. He completed a pass to, and he, Started to target JMO a little bit more. It's nice to see him get more involved. Three targets, but no catches. But then he did have that 40 yard on the reverse play. So that was a nice run by him. You got to see the speed. It was a nice big play. Get him involved in the offense. Seems like he got a little bit more snap counts. I think, I don't know, maybe like five more plays or something. I haven't looked at the numbers, but we've been steadily improving using him. And it really doesn't matter which one we're going to. I mean, tight ends have been feasting, running backs can feast. Anybody can come and get some from Jared Goff. He's passing it out like candy on Halloween. He's got a house full of trick-or-treaters just begging for him, and he's just dishing it out, wheeling and dealing. Can you go on the road and do it next week, Corb? That's the question. That is the question. But What's the temperature supposed to be like in Lambeau next week? I already looked it up because I'm a psycho. It's going to be 30 and sunny, so it could be worse. Cool. I was wondering after they switched to the night game if that was going to affect things, but that actually could be a good point. Yeah, good. Yeah, probably five less. I'd say twenty-five, maybe. I want it nice and cold. I'll be ready for it. But let's talk about defense here. Starting with that D line. Holy shit! Where do we even start, Mark? <laughs> I can't. E- <laughs> I don't even know what direction to go. I mean, James Houston's got to be number one on the list uh... here. I mean, talk about a draft gem, Brad Holmes. Shout out to the general manager here. I don't know how this guy can find dudes like this in the sixth round. He already had Malcolm in the sixth. He picks this guy up. I mean, what are we at now? Eight sacks through six games, and that's tied for a uh, all-time record set in 1982 for the most yeah. sacks to start a career. 
Uh, you can't make it up. You can't make it any better than this. I mean, if, if that's going to be who's across from Hutchinson, those double teams on Hutch, you can kiss those goodbye, and all he's going to do is fill up the stat sheet even further. Josh Pascal finally two sacks. That's three on the year for him. Mm. Second rounder, I mean, he was looking a little shaky. I don't want to use the word bust by any means, but you got to love to see that. Kirby Joseph, was he the only safety we had back there for most of the game, Corb? Mm-hmm. He was single high, baby. On an island out there, and that's another rookie. <laughs> I mean, at this point, Jamison looks like the worst pick so far, and you can't even make an opinion on that yet. So <laughs> you had four picks this upcoming year in the top 50. I mean, it's a good time to be a fan. Yeah. It gets my nipples nice and hard, man. That was a beautiful fucking game from our defensive line. I don't know how Belly can say, oh, it's the Bears. Guess what? Seven sacks, three for Houston, two for Pascal, a half one for Hutchinson. And guess what? We got a Fatu Melifonwu filling in for Deshaun Elliott. He split the sack with Hutch, too. He had a couple nice pass breakups. Anzalone was cleaning things up, did a good job filling gaps. Malcolm and Derek Barnes splitting snaps. What do you got to say, Bell? Name one, out, name one mistake the Lions made the whole game. Uh, they had that holding call by Jerry Jacobs that gave the Bears uh, another set of downs on that first drive that ultimately led them down the score. That, yeah, that hold made me a little scared for about 10 minutes of my life there. Yep. That's all you got. That's all we got. I mean, it was <laughs> it was a performance that we don't get very often. So, yes, we are relishing in this. Um, but every name that we just dropped is under 24 years old. I mean, this is a core that they're going to have for four years for cheap. I mean, you want to talk about cheap contracts and high production. That's how you build a team. I mean, we're not going to need to resign any of these guys until 2026, maybe 2027. That's a long time to be building around these kind of guys and they're going to add to it too. Absolutely. They are. And like I said, it's tough to tell if we really bounce back from Carolina or if the bears had just checked out. And I do think that it was a mixture of both, but at the same time, I mean, watching the tape, getting after Justin Fields and taking him down like that. James Houston is absolutely legit. Josh Pascal. I mean, he was supposed to be that big kind of bookend type tight end or sorry, defensive end protecting against the run. And he, to see him get two sacks as well, flash, that's great. And then Hutchinson, obviously, he's all over the place. But I think that the main thing out of this was James Houston is just a fucking beast. Kirby looked well in that cover th- in those cover three sets and those man to man sets, just being the single high. But Afatu Malafanwu, I'm he had a decent game, converted cornerback, first year playing safety, hadn't really had any playing time until last week after Elliott went down. And we might need him for the Packers. So it's good to at least see him take some steps to being a somewhat suitable fill-in while we still have Elliott down. So we can talk stats all we want, and that's all great. But we got to talk about the growth from these guys too, to hold their gaps and you know, spy the quarterback and not let Fields absolutely shred them like we figured he would. A couple times Hutch and Houston both got off their blocks, held their ground. Fields had nowhere to go, ends up with the sack. I mean, that's growth, that's coaching, and that's what you want to see as you approach the end of the season here. Indeed it is. And I just wanted to touch on uh, Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn, too. 
as much as I'd like to say it was all them, you know, this turnaround against the bears, they, they clearly did a great job correcting some of the mistakes that we made last week. I mean, Ben Johnson made a point of running the ball and Aaron Glenn made a focus on stopping the run and outside of fields on a couple of plays, which he's going to get every now and then we did a damn good job. And regardless of the outcome this next week against the Packers, the coaching staff has done a tremendous job throughout the season. It's been a great success and they have really taken this young core and have molded them into something that is going to be successful in the future, not just 2023, but past that. And so big credit to them because there were allowed a lot of doubters with these coaches that maybe didn't have as much experience who were just former players, but didn't have that coaching uh, acumen, but they have done a hell of a job. These young players clearly respect them and we are building something in Detroit. So it all comes down to next week. We'll jump into it right after we do the game ball and the burning bag of dog shit. All right, Mark, kick it off. Who's getting your game ball this week? I got to double down on James Houston. I mean, this <laughs> can't say enough about him. Eight sacks, six games. Uh, apparently he tied Von Miller with that stat from 2011. Uh, him and Hutch are the first teammates since 82 to have seven plus. So it's a little correction from what I said earlier. Um, but he had the highest snap count percentage of uh, his young career so far. So he's getting more snaps, more playing time. Um, and to get him in the sixth round, I mean, this guy's a game wrecker. This guy is going to be a big deal for a long time. Yep, I agree. I mean, he he was getting it done in more than one way, too, is the thing. Like, you used to see him just get super low and have that bend and just use that speed to get to the quarterback in previous weeks. But, I mean, you saw him do it multiple different ways. He was getting double teamed. You know, he just kind of spins around on that force fumble, chases down Justin Fields, doesn't even see him coming. I mean, he's looking like he has been a steal. Like at first I thought it was okay, a couple games, like guys are getting used to him, but he's showing that he's got multiple different ways to get it done. And as and we weren't even just using him on pass downs either. He was stepping up and playing, you know, legit minutes. He, he dropped he, back in coverage for that last sack yeah. when he went, went up and blew up fields and in the open field. I mean, this is a guy that closed 20 yards against probably the best running quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I think that he was second most on the team in terms of snap percentage besides Hutchinson. I, maybe he was tied with Kaminsky, but like I said, I mean, he's getting a lot more looks and the team likes what we have and he keeps on producing. So let the man go. Let him do his thing. How about you, Belly? Who's getting your game ball? Who do you think? Brock Wright, baby. (laughs) Um, You know me, efficiency with tight ends. Three catches for 13 yards and two big tutties. Um, I don't quite hate Hawkinson as much as Corbin does, but I guess we didn't really need him. No, we absolutely did not. Any given week, it could go to three different tight ends, and they all just fill in admirably. We just need a polymerization card, and we're good to go. Mm -hmm. Do you know what that is? No in Yu-Gi-Oh when you used to combine two monsters <laughs> <laughs> well we don't want to combine them because if one goes down next man up we got three different weapons we can go to you know I those eat. art you know those art like uh things on Facebook where it'll be like oh uh Palomalo's brain and so-and-so's biceps we just yeah, have yeah, one yeah. that's just of lion's tight ends <laughs> yeah Well, my game ball is going to Aiden Hutchinson. He was the highest graded defender in terms of PFF. 
He was all over the field, making an impact against the run and the pass. And like you said, Mark, the growth that we've seen from him between just these two bears games. I mean, you remember seeing him just running down the line and our RKOing David Montgomery on the goal line, but on another play, you see him lose contain. And that was the play that Justin Fields just wrecked a Sean Elliott on that run into the end zone. So you see him lose contain, but this, this game, you see him just put the clamps down on fields. I mean, he wasn't over pursuing, you know, he wasn't diving to get the sack and get those numbers up. He was just playing defense. Like he was playing basketball, putting his arms out, ready to bat down a pass and just making him throw a bad ball. I mean, we still lost it down. Maybe he didn't get the sack or maybe he would force fields into another defender. I know that's how James Houston, I think he got his first sack because Aiden Hutchinson forced him back up into the pocket and James Houston was there to clean it up. So you're not, I mean, sure. He had the interception and the sack as well, but he's impacting the game than this more than the stat sheet shows. And he's just playing smart football. You see him making new strides every single week. And then Dan Campbell said it in hard knocks. You don't see him make the same mistake twice. He's really learning his lesson. And I feel like he just is, he was good to start the year, but this rookie just keeps on improving and he's looking like the real deal. I concur. (laughs) All right, Mark, who's getting your burning bag of dog shit. It pains me to do it, but it's gotta be Jeff Okuda two weeks in a row against lackluster competition where he's been benched. Uh, I believe he played in 17 snaps. It's 33% of our defensive snaps. Guy was relegated to some special teams gunner work. And, uh, you know, as a 23-year-old third overall draft pick, it's been an up-and-down career, an up-and-down season. Um, I don't know if he's just getting tired coming off the Achilles. I mean, he came back quicker than ever. Uh, But that's a guy we need going forward. I don't want to jump the gun and say our, our early draft picks have to be corner now with, you know, Houston emerging and Hutch emerging and the D line looking like it is. I don't think we'd go there yet, but as of now, I mean, that's two weeks. There's definitely a yellow flag, probably a red flag over his name. I'm hoping that uh, Campbell is just benching him to kind of troll Aaron Rodgers into throwing his way. I love it. Just baiting him. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is. I didn't see enough film on it. Um, you know, it could just be a, kind of a rookie wall. He's only played in, I think, 21 games for his career. So what's that one full season and a couple extra? Um, half of that under Matt Patricia. So you basically can count that as playing high school football. Um, so that doesn't count at all. If anything, it probably hurt him in his development. But we need him going forward. We need him next year. Uh, they're going to have a big decision to make on a contract for him when he's 24 and he's entering free agency. Um, but there's plenty of time for him to, to bounce back. Yep. I'm not worried about free agency with Jeff for now. I mean, we'll have two more years with them before we even have to think about that. So I don't think it's a similar situation to Amani Awarie because you saw him week after week after week getting exposed and you have seen Jeff be a fucking beast this year. He absolutely had a terrible game against the Panthers. You know, he got blown up on that uh, DJ Moore bomb for the touchdown, and then he wasn't willing to come up and make tackles. I don't know if it's something that carried over into this week of practice and the coaching staff is like, okay, like he's not responding to the benching. You know, we're going to bench him until he understands. So 
I do hope that he gets it back together. We need him against the Packers. They've got some weapons of their own more so than the bears. And, you know, having him is just, we need that guy. You know, when we said that, when we, when we played the bills too, without him guarding Stefan Diggs, I mean, ultimately that's why we lost that game. He is a huge piece to that defense. So we hope to see him back and we hope to see him being effective. Belly burning bag for yourself. Uh, the whole game was perfect. Nobody could have gotten it. Remember? Yeah. No, if it was anybody, it's probably Justin Fields. That guy's got to show more. Um, seven for 21, I think it was. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong there, but that is All abysmal. Right. I mean, it's pretty proven that you can't just only run in this league. You got to be able to throw the football, and eventually the guy's either going to get hurt or just throw an interception. So that guy's got to figure out how to work his arm. If there's a team for you to be able to throw against, it's definitely the Detroit Lions. So, yeah, that guy's got some things to figure out. Yep, that was a, a pitiful performance, especially after those first two drives. They couldn't do shit, and he pretty much looked checked out, had no desire to get the team back in it. So, thanks How for about the trading freebie. a second round for Chase Claypool and throwing the ball to him six times in five games. Dude, that Chase Claypool trade made no sense to me. We talked about that <laughs> in past episodes, though, but whatever, moving on. Yep. Well, for my burning bag, it's got to be to the guy who went from so high to so low. Shane Zilstra, how are you letting Brock Wright take your cookies, man? I mean, three touchdowns should be the norm for you. And you see him catch that pass on that third down and he slipped and fell. And, you know, you guys, I'm, I know it's hard for you to believe, but I'll admit when I'm wrong. And I really thought that Shane Zilstra was going to be like the next Travis Kelsey after last week. And, you know, it's looking like that's not going to be the case. So uh, I got to temper my expectations. You know, he can't have the hat trick every single week. This time it was the Brock Wright show, but I'm content having those two solid stallions in our tight end stable while TJ Hawkinson is freezing his ass off over in Minnesota. I'm just glad it's somebody in this I'm not, was Brock Wright. I'm not targeting you, but when the Hawkinson trade went, went down, which tight end did you pick up? Because I think I picked up Brock Wright and then yeah, dropped was, him, of course. It was Brock Wright. But let's close up that Bears talk. Like I said, it's a bit gratuitous to keep on focusing on that when we've got a much bigger game on our plates. In fact, this is probably the biggest game since I can remember. The only thing that kind of undercuts it is that it might not even be in in the Lions' hands. It's kind of sad. I know. I know it is unfortunate. So this week we're taking on the Packers in Lambeau, our final regular season game, potentially our final game of the 2022 season. We have come so far, but this is it. It was kind of up in the air on what day we were going to be playing, but it has came out today. We are playing Sunday night football, our first nationally televised game outside of Thanksgiving. We have been flexed to Sunday, January 8th at 8.20 p.m. Sunday night football, the 8-8 eight and eight Lions take on the 8-8 eight and eight Green Bay Packers. Lions open as four-and-a-half-point dogs. Over-under set at 48-and-a-half. And last week, the Packers beat the Vikings 41-17 to 17 in Lambeau. This is it. The Lions need to win this game to continue their 2022 season. It's not a win and you're in, unfortunately, because we also need the Seahawks to lose who play at the four o'clock game against the Los Angeles Rams. It is Rams in Seattle. And if the Seahawks win, we are out. 
but we could still play spoiler to Green Bay. It's too bad that, you know, we're not necessarily in control of our own destiny because if the Seahawks do win this game, I mean, that's it. We're done. You know, some would say that the game is for nothing, but I want to just beat the Packers. You know, I want to spoil this for them. I want to ruin this for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, this is going to be the second time where he's done this, where he's like, you know, what was the the relax season? I can't even remember what year it was, but when the run the had, table one, yeah, where they ran the table and they're doing the same thing right now. Everyone counting them out to them, just sneaking into the wild card. I'm not having it. I will say going back to the eight o'clock switch, it kind of sucks. I kind of wish they pushed them to the four o'clock and did it like the FIFA world cup does where they play at the exact same time so that it doesn't affect the game because I mean, it, it'll be a real buzzkill if the Rams don't win and we're just sitting there already knowing it's over. So why do you think that the NFL put them there? I mean, don't you think that maybe NFL rigged that they're going to have the Rams beat the Seahawks so that it's just a win in your end game for the Lions and Packers? Could NFL be a rigged. fix. I don't really believe in fixes. There but... definitely could be a Goodell fix with that. I just think, once again, Aaron Rodgers trumps everybody, and they're doing it for Aaron Rodgers just to you know, ice the final comeback run the table, get in. It's a miracle. And I mean, he's their poster boy, which absolutely terrifies me. I don't want to play the whole ref game in Lambeau, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. There certainly could be something involved there. Usually lions going to Lambeau. It hasn't always worked out in our favor. I remember during the Patricia years when we had the uh, hands to the face uh, penalty on uh, Trey flowers two on that one drive when we were going to win. I remember just standing out in the cold Chicago air, just contemplating life, wondering what the fuck went wrong. I walked outside and my old host here, roommate Corbin was just staring at a rat infested dumpster alley in Chicago for about 40 straight minutes, about 20 degree weather. And I did not know what thoughts were going through his head, but I knew they were not good. I was just questioning life. I mean, that was a real come to Jesus moment for me when I realized that I really legitimately thought that the NFL was on the Packers side and that they were just trying to screw Detroit so that we could never win. And I was really wondering if it was fixed against us, but Dan Campbell has given me hope. He really has. And this is not the same old lions. This is a different team and we are on the way up and the Packers are on the way down. We, the Pat when in week nine, when we beat the Packers 15 to nine, that was what really started our streak. And then we went on to beat the Bears and so on and so on. But the Packers are 5-2 and two the last time that we met, and they've beaten good teams. The Cowboys, the Dolphins, the Vikings, those are all playoff teams. I'm not going to discount Aaron Rodgers at all. I mean, I understand he's been demoralizing me for the better part of a decade, and I know that he's not just going to roll over. I mean, the playoffs are on the line here. He's not just going to hand it to us. And I feel like he is just a masochist who likes to inflict pain on his victims and demoralize his rivals. I mean, you see him do it with the Bears, with the I fucking own you. And then he goes and takes on the Vikings the way that he did just last week and just beats the fuck out of them. I mean, he relishes in just beating up on these NFC North teams. He's like the big brother. That's always been bigger and stronger, but the little brother is slowly growing and catching up to him and he knows it. Mm -hmm. So he's got this little bully chip on his shoulder. He's actually that meme where he's smiling, but he's crying inside the mask. That's what's happening right now. Yep. I agree. That's perfect. Actually. (laughs) 
Wait, and then and he knows if, it. If did the Packers just need a win, even if the Seahawks win? Yes, because yeah. if the Seahawks and Packers win, then the Packers win because of the tiebreakers. But the if the Lions win and the Seahawks win, then the Seahawks get in over the Lions. So the Seahawks want us to win. Seahawks back, fans want us to back win. against the wall. <laughs> yes, but we could still play spoiler for Green Bay, which is all. I, I mean, that's fine with me. Just to because the thing is that just symbolizes the end of an era. You know, the yes. Lions are just starting and then the Packers are going downhill. If we the can beat the is, Lions, I mean, this is pretty much like a win and you're in game, no matter what the Seattle outcome is. It really is like, okay, who is going to be the boss of this division going forward? Because realistically, it's looking like the Vikings are the third best team in the NFC North. I know record wise that they have the best record, but the Lions and the Packers are looking to be the big dogs in the conference. It could be the symbolic end of an era. I mean, the sad part is we did this to ourselves by blowing it against the Panthers last week. We should be able to control our destiny. We flopped. I mean, we deserve what we get, but draft pick be damned. We've got to win this game. Say we pick 19 instead of 15. I will take a win against Aaron Rodgers, the changing of the guard. He leaves all frustrated, makes excuses, pissed off. He knows the Lions are here to stay, and he's going to retreat, and he's going to change divisions, and he's going to go seek somewhere else because he knows he can't handle this shit. Yep. It's a good call. I do think he is truly scared. He knows that the Lions are building something. He saw us last you know, week nine or whenever we played, he is scared of us. And he Fact knows is, that it's though, just a matter of time. That guy threw three picks against us last time when we won, and we only dropped 15. We've got to be better. We've got to force turnovers. And you got to score more than 15 points off three turnovers. Um, so it's going to take a lot. We know that. It's going to be – I watched Dan Campbell's press conference today. He is stoked. He doesn't care about playoffs or anything. All he cares about is this game and showing out. I know the guys are going to be ready. I don't think these guys have ever seen the lights. Not, these rookies on our team have no idea what it means to play in a <laughs> night game. <laughs> They're about to get used to it because if we can make something happen here, we're going to get a few of these next year. What's that shiny thing up in the stands? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's not 1 o'clock. What? <laughs> well, this is definitely the biggest game that these young players have ever played in. I mean, I can't think of a game that has carried that much significance in years. So I, Dan Campbell is going to have the guys ready to go. I mean, it's like a college rivalry. Like you don't even need to say anything to get the boys pumped up. They know that this one means a little bit more going into green Bay. I mean, there is a lot on the line here. And like you said, Eric, I mean, we only had 15 points on three Aaron Rodgers interceptions last game. Like clearly we need to win the turnover battle, but it's not like Aaron Rodgers has been playing that great this year. I know who he is. And I know what he is capable of, but let's be real. He hasn't put over, he hasn't had a 300 yard game passing this entire season. He's tied for his, he's tied for his career high in interceptions and it's his lowest for yardage as well, you know, in a full season of health. So, I mean, he has shown that he can get got, but the problem is you also get Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, who've just been a two headed monster. And it's really similar to what Jamal and Deandre Swift bring for us. That's going to be the toughest part of the matchup. If we change gears real quick here, I mean, I know it's Aaron Rodgers, all that, but this is a big, big game for Jared Goff. I think no matter what, we still roll with him, but this is an opportunity for him 
to prove any of these remaining same old Lions doubters, you know, prove them wrong. Can this guy travel? Can he play in the cold? He did it against both New York teams on the road, two wins. He didn't do it in Carolina. So, I mean, and obviously this is bigger than all of those. Can he do that? I mean, Jair Alexander, get, we can talk about him. Absolute beast to shut down Justin Jefferson. Um, Jared Goff's going to have his hands full. The Packers are going to want to get to him. The line needs to protect him, and can he travel and do it? Mm-hmm. Well, I do think that Jared Goff got it done against the Panthers. I do disagree there. He did a good job, and so, I mean, he really hasn't had any blemishes on his resume in the second half of the season. I yeah, mean, we did get game scripted out of that one, honestly. It wasn't really his yeah. fault at all. Yeah, and it was really the running game. Like, we put up points. It was just our defense yeah. that was the problem. So, I mean – I couldn't even tell you the last bad game Jared Goff had the Cowboys. Yeah, the Cowboys. That was it. We're doing a lot of Aaron Rodgers talk, but I think there's two guys you need to worry about stopping more, and I think it's Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Um, It's a hell of a tandem as a running back duo, and A.J. Dillon has one, two, three, four, five, six touchdowns in his last five games, and that's a big man to bring down. Let's just hope the trenches can hold up. There's one thing about AJ Dillon for all you fantasy owners out there. It's hold him for the last 10 games or eight games of the season. Cause as it gets colder, he gets better. It's he's proven it both years so far. And yeah, that guy's built different. I don't even know the validity of it, but I just looked it up and I think the Packers are 55 and 10 to end like the last quarter of the season in, uh, or sorry, in December and Lambeau, but it is January now. Yep. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what, what Lions defense are we going to get? Is it the Panthers or is it going to be the Bears or is it somewhere in between? Um, I think the Panthers was – I mean, we can just take that tape and throw that in the trash, but there are legitimate concerns. I mean, the Lions defense is still ranked 25th or below in about every category. They're coming on. They, they are getting some pressure. Can they stop the run? Because if Rodgers is going to have a play action going, our secondary, I do not know if they can hold up against that. Well, I mean, you even look at the game against the Vikings. Packers put up 41 points, but I think there was two interceptions returned for a touchdown and a kick return or something like that. At least one pick six, but I mean, they haven't really been able to move the ball all that well. Look at how Aaron Rodgers did. Like, yes, he did enough to get it done, and it wasn't really necessary the way that they were playing, but you haven't really seen Rodgers put the team on his back, and the Lions could easily score 30 points in this game. I know that it's cold. I know that the Green Bay weather is going to be shitty and that we're going to have to really focus on running the ball. It'll be interesting to see how, how that line changes. My yeah. four and a half dogs. I mean, I could see that getting closer because this could this could go either way. Taking my bias aside here, it, it really could. Well, I mean, if it does go like that, then what happens if we, you know, roll out something like how we had against the Bears where we had Kirby Joseph single high and then we stack with an extra linebacker, defensive lineman. We run like a 5-2. I mean, we were stop, stopping the ball really well against the Bears. Their running backs couldn't do anything. And Aaron Jones, I or Aaron Rodgers, I would love to see him try and run like how Justin Fields did. We will fuck him up. I will say if there's a coach on our team that I'm most concerned about, it's Aaron Glenn. So can he make the necessary adjustments, get the game plan going? I mean, we got to take care of the football on offense and we got to stop the run on defense. We do those two things. I think I like our chances. We don't do one of those two things. It's going to be a serious uphill battle. 
Let's get to Corb's keys to victory. I mean, really, I just want to set up our expectations here because this is it. Like I said, is the biggest game of the season. And no matter what the result, we have truly taken significant steps, not only as a team, but as a franchise. It's clear that there has been a new culture established in Detroit and that there's this is no longer the same old Lions. If we can march into Green Bay and snatch a playoff berth from Aaron Rodgers, it is truly the end of an era. And this team has what it takes to win this game and to win a playoff game. I know we can't control Seattle's game against the Rams, but it doesn't matter because no matter what, I'm walking away from 2022 knowing that we have exceeded expectations. This is a good team, and I can't wait to see what we have in 2023. I wouldn't want to be a fan of any other team. All right, so let's pick some scores here. Mark, what do you think we got for this Lions-Packers game? Oh, I did all the calculations in my head, and just something tells me it's going to be a heartbreaker, special teams type of loss, last-minute field goal. I got Packers 31, Lions 30. We're up 30 to 28, last second defeat. Smart. What the fuck, dude? Dude, <laughs> I just know I'm trying to prepare my heart so Olivia at least can live to see another day. Aim low, and then if they win, he's a happy man. I don't think that's a bad strat. But this is not the same old Lions, Mart. We've been through this. You know this who it's a- the same old? It's the same old Roger Goodell, dude. I just, I can't see it. It's the story of Aaron Rodgers. He's 39. He makes it in. I want to be wrong. Like I said multiple times, I can see this going either way. If history is any indicator, that's how it's going to go. Yes, but history is now. We are making history. <laughs> this is Dan Campbell, dude. The Lions are going to win in a narrow victory in Lambeau, 27 to 24. Book it. No, that, that's the present. You got history and present mixed up. No, the future is now, old man. <laughs> All right, moving on to mine, 28-14 pack. You fuck. Yeah, fuck you, dude. Passing the torch, Aaron Rodgers grovels at the Lions' feet. He salutes Dan Campbell and says, you're a hell of a coach. I'm going to San Francisco. And then he's out. <laughs> you, know what, you know what, Mark? I, I think your prediction might also be correct, but I think it's going to be a money badger miss kick to end the year, and it'll just solidify everything I've said all year. That's a good one, too. So we got a chance to win it 52 yards outdoors, and he shanks it. I like that one, too. Like that Ohio State field goal. That was so bad. That was so bad. Yeah, let's just think of all the crazy ways that the Lions could lose this game. Yeah, that's fun. Dude, I'm still here. I'm on the train. I'm just telling you, my heart has been hurt so many times. I mean, you were affected so bad by this rivalry that you stood out in an alleyway for 40 minutes in the bitter cold by yourself. I understand. But, Eric, that was years ago. That was Matt fucking Patricia, dude. This is Dan Campbell. Okay? True. <laughs> you know that Dan Campbell has a winning record against the Packers? You think he's going to go 500? <laughs> I don't think so. No, not Dan Campbell. Anyways, it's a big one, but... Let's take a look at the rest of the NFL slate here with and with the belly rolling right into it. Uh, as of last week, Corbin, Ooh, absolutely demolished, but not a good week for you. I feel like we've both been trending down lately. Um, oh, and four for Corbin two and two for myself and two and two for John. It's kind of a little weird week in the NFL, but, uh, happens at the end of the season. Never know what's going to go down. Um, moving forward onto this week, Corbin, who do you like for your fave? My favorite this week is going to be the Los Angeles Chargers. Three-point favorites going to Denver. Broncos suck. 
I'm not scared. Chargers are a playoff team. They just spanked the Rams last week, and I don't trust what Russell Wilson at all. I don't even know if he's going to be starting for this game. I didn't watch to see the how even played for the Chiefs and Broncos, but yeah, give me the Chargers three point favorites. I love the way you say the Chiefs. Um, Chiefs. Yeah, the Chargers Chiefs. are kind of sneaky, man. I think they can make some noise in the playoffs. Uh, I don't know if they do. They have anything to play for? Can they move for a seed or not? I think that's the reason why the line's probably so low. Um, but anyway, moving on, Mart, I'll, I'll give you, <laughs> I can't wait for you to read this one and just see what happens, but he got for your favorite, bud. I think I had a bug in my coffee when I was looking at these lines <laughs> earlier when I was typing this up, but I've got Seahawks cover and versus the Rams. I think, uh, Kenneth Walker is about to go off. I saw a rumor that Stafford can come off IR, but I don't think it's going to be, uh, his time to save the day again. They're going to rest the man. Uh, I'd love for Baker to have his magic, but Seahawks at home fighting for a spot. I mean, I, I just can't see it happening, man. I got Seahawks covering. Corbin, you got anything to say about that? I mean, I don't know why you have to be so fucking negative. Like, why? <laughs> why, dude? Hey, if I'm betting, if I'm on DK, I'm here for the coin, dude. And if that's the line, I, I'm going to hammer that. Well, I am not going to do that because I I won't even bet it because then I I'm just gonna have a shitty time in Lambo. Like this is my first time in Lambo. It's setting up to be the most electric game in recent memory. And if the Seahawks win, it's just like, uh, sure we could play spoiler, but this is the game to get us into the playoffs. I'm not going to actively root against it by putting money on it. So fuck you. Fair enough. Uh, for my favorite, I have the Packers minus four and a half at home. Been saying it all day. Uh, Packers in late season in Lambeau are just a deadly, deadly combination. Um, we're going to move right on to the dog since we've already covered that. Corbin, what do you got? Yeah, because you don't want me to tell you to go fuck yourself. I got gotcha. you. Well, I mean, well, you're going to either way. It's just we've already discussed it over and over again. Fuck you, Ben. My underdog is the Houston Texans. Three point dogs going to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. <laughs> This is pretty much just a toss up right here. And there is so much ambiguity with these other teams. Like, I don't even know who's going to be playing starters and who is still like, there's so many teams that are affected just because these playoff seedings are. And I think the Texans got some grit. They could pull one out and give me the Texans plus three. And Mark. Who's your dog? Well, maybe Corbin will like me a little more again. I got the Lions covering the spread plus four and a half. I said it before. I think that's too many points. This one is going to go either way. I really do feel that way. I think special teams is going to be the difference, but I think Dan Campbell's going to have us ready to go. And uh, it might just be a one point swing either way. And I hope it falls our way. Good boy, Mart. Um, I'm just, I'm just throwing in a hope and a prayer for my dog. Uh, and I don't even think they can do it at this point because we had Josh Dobbs starting this past week and they just, what happened to this team, man? Titans plus six and a half against the Jags, probably going to lose their playoff hopes and just rot and burn. Is but that a win in your end game too? And they're that. Yeah. So Titans are back a game, but they beat the Jags or something to do with the tiebreaker. If they beat them, they're in cause they're going to be tied. But I mean, it'll be a gift for whoever gets that game versus the Titans or the Jags in the playoffs. King Henry, I think, is going to be back. I think they sat him on purpose for this one. But, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh, moving on to the over-under. Talk to me, Corb. I'm taking the over on the Lions-Packers. It's set at 48 and a half. 
Weather is going to impact it for sure, but I know that the Lions can put up points, and I don't really trust our defense that much. I don't expect them to completely shut out the Packers. I don't know how we had that 15-9 to game back in Week 9, but I like both teams to put up points, and based on my prediction, it's going 27-24, so that's an over. Ooh, and uh, based on our upcoming underpick, Corb, it looks like Mart's a contrarian. Tell us why you think the Jet Titans Jags is going to go over. I'm fight. I'm fading Corb on all of these apparently. So one of us is going to be rich, one poor. But I got the over on Titans Jags. I think Derrick Henry is going to run rampant. Jags defense is below average. Titans secondary is bottom five. That means Trevor Lawrence is going to shred them. Derrick Henry is going to run strong, and I can see that being uh, definitely over thirty-eight and a half. Corby, why do you think it's going to go under? Well, I don't trust Josh Dobbs, and I think that the Titans' defense is going to step up. Vrabel knows one thing, and it's how to motivate his guys for these big games. And when you're counting the Titans out, that's when they usually step up. So I think that it's going to be a defensive slugfest between these two teams, mostly the Titans stepping up to stop the Jags, and then just Jags just stopping Josh Dobbs because that's not too hard. So I'm taking under 38 and a half. Vegas knows we both do not. Josh Dobbs. That's a line. (laughs) I've taken the over on Josh Dobbs. That's scary. God damn it. Yep. Good luck with that, Mark. Oh, man. Just what a dumpster fire in Tennessee. Anyway, uh, did we miss anyone or did we cover it with a little overlap there? Well, also, why did Mark take the under 48 and a half? Wasn't your prediction 31 to 30? Oh, that's the one we missed. Yeah, why'd you take the under in the Lions-Packers game? Oh, dude, I wrote the 31-30 like 10 minutes ago, and I wrote the under at work when I had a bug in my coffee or something. I don't know. He's hedging his bets. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Break break even on that because I have no idea. No, I, I don't know. I, I guess I blacked out there. Well, well that's going to that's gonna wrap up betting with the belly. All right, guys, so let's jump into the Nickelodeon draft, bringing back some nostalgia for the people. I'm sure you're watching Nickelodeon when you were a kid and you had some favorite shows. Well, guess what? We're going to bring that back. We're going to do a four-round snake draft, starting with Ben, then Mart, then me, and going back around. Ben, what was your favorite Nickelodeon show of all time with the 101? We're going to go with the show that I used to watch as a kid. And then when I had the college midnight screams, I used to yell, my leg. We're going to go with SpongeBob SquarePants as the 1.01. Yep, that was a no-brainer. Good one, Belly. SpongeBob's just the best. What was your favorite episode? Uh, Oh, I think this might, going back and rewatching it, I don't know if it'll be my favorite, but I love the episode where they're training for the bubble bowl. And, and, when uh, Patrick comes in and he's like, to the owner of the white sedan, you left your lights on. And he's just in a trombone. <laughs> and Dude, then later. Krusty Krab pizza has got to be the number oh, one Oh, that's episode. a good one, too. There's so the many Krusty good ones. pizza. Here's the pizza for you and me. It's Holy not just shit. a boulder. It's a rock. Pioneers used to ride these bad boys for miles. (laughs) So I have the um uh the Texas song on my phone on Spotify. You know the wish I was back in Texas. Oh yeah. (laughs) The ocean's no place for a squirrel. He just says the people from Texas were dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. 
Good one, Ben. That was a no-brainer, SpongeBob. If he didn't take that, then you were fucked. All right, Mark. Oh, uh, I'm torn. I mean, that's clearly the pick that you want to make, but I'm going Rugrats number two. That was a Ooh. staple for my childhood. Uh, I actually couldn't read back then, so right at the very beginning, it would show the title of the episode for five seconds. Apparently, I would scream out to my parents, "Read it!" and they'd have to <laughs> run in and try to read it in time as I was sitting crisscross applesauce in front of the TV. So I guess I've come a long way since then. <laughs> read it, <laughs> literally. Uh, yes. Do you remember a favorite specific Rugrats episode? I do. Oh. Dude, that's tough. I don't even know. I like can't even remember, but I just know that it was a thing every single night back then. I mean, I was like four or five, but for whatever reason, um, I just always fall back on that one. What's yours? Mine's the mega diaper, ba- mega diaper babies. Do you remember where they all got like superpowers? So anyway, Lil-, Lil was the dotted line girl, and she was just like this little trace. And at one point in the episode, Lil's like. Angelica's the enemy, obviously. She's yeah. like, how did she see me? And Angelica just goes, well, any idiot can see a dotted line. <laughs> <laughs> she was a brutal savage back yeah, then. My was. parents were almost borderline offended by her. But and I think Chucky was just the stinker, and he just stank like ass. That's what his superpower was. <laughs> Chucky yeah, I got to rewatch favorite. this. I like the rep, uh, the uh, Rugrats in Paris the best. Like, oh yeah, here comes Chucky Chan. Here comes Chucky, Chucky Chan. Chan, martial arts expert of reptile land. Damn, I'm getting buried right now for my pick. You guys know more than I do. I'm a yeah. poser, I guess. That's fine. You love the show. We just remember, yeah, very small details. <laughs> Rugrats was awesome. That was there. You guys went right in my order. So, for me, with my 103. I got to go with rocket power, man. I Another think good one, pick. Yeah, that yep. one's just a low-key gem. Yep. Uh, I'm going to always bring up an episode every pick, but do you remember when he pulled off the Super McVarial 900? <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, Sam, I- and Sam said it was physically impossible and, because he ran, like, the physics on it. And the only reason was because, like, uh, uh, what's, uh, what's his dad's name? Uh, Who, Sam's? No, no, no. Otto's Ra- dad. Otto's dad. Raymundo. Oh, yeah, Raymundo. Raymundo. Raymundo ran over a tennis ball and the it shot out of the lawnmower and helped him finish the spin by hitting the skateboard. So he goes You're to try it at the end of the episode and doesn't listen to Sam and just eats it. <laughs> Your cartoon memories are incredible, dude. This is like a hidden talent. Do you remember what? the ham dogger episode? The ham dogger? Oh. So they had like either hamburger buns and hot dogs or hot dog buns and hamburgers. And Tito had the bright idea to just combine them, and they became famous for the ham dogger. <laughs> Dude, Tito is my favorite. Marco then, doesn't even remember Vegemite. Vegemite? Really, yeah, you the don't remember? They went to, like, New Zealand or something, and Tito just wanted Vegemite the whole episode, and the whole island was, like, out of it. And he finally finds it at, like, the end of the episode. As a fat man, I can say I understand the <laughs> you bliss. You can sympathize. <laughs> <huh>? <laughs> Now, Rocket Power is always the best. And the intro, too. Oh, yeah. We are riders. Automation. Action kids with. (laughs) Yep, that was the best intro song. Rocket Power for 103. And then 104. I got to go with my gut. It's the Fairly Odd Parents. Timmy is an average kid that no one understands. Cosmo, Wanda. I mean, that was probably my favorite show as a kid. I watched, like, every single episode Doug's Demodome, the Crimson Chin. I kind of want to be the Crimson Chin for Halloween next year. I think that would be a, a good idea. 
I'll go tandem with you and be Crash Nebula. <laughs> I did find an article online though that said if the Crimson Chin fought Crash Nebula, the Crash Nebula would just get his just shit pounded. <laughs> <laughs> And then Mark can be Clef the Boy Chin Wonder. <laughs> I forgot about Clef. <laughs> I gotta look, look him up. up. Oh, no, no. And then, Mark, you should be no. the bronze kneecap for sure. <laughs> but then there's Chip Skylark, too. My shiny teeth and me. And then I can also sing, like, the whole theme song, I'm pretty sure, still. And then just one, just to do my quote, <laughs> um, I got I got good news and I got bad news. What's the good news? I found a nickel. What's the bad news? It's a girl nickel. <laughs> yeah, Ben, you do have some weird memory about it, but Fairly Odd Parents, my 201, and it goes back to you, Mark. What are you going with? I'm going to zoom forward a little bit to where I can actually remember this, but I'm going Drake and Josh. That's a good one. Yeah, I think that's just a classic. We're all in middle school, maybe like fifth grade, right in that region. Um, I mean, countless quotes. I can't remember one off the top of my head. I'm sure Ben's got 10 lined up. But for about four years there, that was just an all-timer. So once they kind of switched to like uh, people instead of cartoons, I didn't watch it as much. I did watch Drake and Josh, though. Um, <laughs> I, I don't have a good quote for this one, but I'll pocket it. 10-4. Well, you know that Drake is canceled, right? Drake yeah. Is what do you What did you do recently? Uh, I'm pretty sure like he was like DMing like underage girls. Damn. And then Josh and I him, think that's what it like, was. Yeah, like Josh like called him out basically and said that he's just like a shitty, a sketchy dude. Well, Josh and him had like a huge falling out, and I think this was before this all came to light. I think Josh got married, and Drake was all pissed that he didn't get invited. To didn't the get wedding. invited. I remember reading about that. Yep. He's a weirdo. Good pick, Mart. Real nice. <laughs> Want to put that as your second overall? But Drake and Josh was a good show. I was always a bigger Josh guy. Uh, Josh was good. Yeah. Um. All right, Belly. I'm gonna go to the one where. Uh, Learn some life lessons from this one, and that has to be the boy in the boarding house with Hey Arnold. Um, hey oh, Arnold yeah. was a great one. Um, it was a little weird now looking back that Helga had like a full gum statue of her crush like in her yeah. closet. <laughs> and then I remember the one episode she finally decided to like make out with it, and she like couldn't get it off of her. <laughs> I remember the little shrine that she had in her room. That's what I'm talking uh, about. It was like made of like uh, food, and it was just. <laughs> I don't remember like a gum statue. I remember she had like a picture in the candles and all that. No, no, no. The full statue. She tries to like make out with it one episode and it gets stuck to her. But do you remember the final item that she needed to complete the statue? No. It was Arnold's hat. And so she finally took it and Arnold's life like went to shambles after she took it. She had to return it. (laughs) (laughs) I always, you know, that restaurant Olga's. Yeah. I never snackers. Well, I never wanted to go there because it reminded me of Helga's name. So it's, I don't know, for whatever uh, reason, I was like, I never want to go there. Before your time's up, you need to try a snacker from Olga's. They're terrible for you, but they're like pita chips with this just out of this world. Like, I don't even know what the butter dip is, but oh, that's a belly dish written all over it. Yeah, good <laughs> luck. It was a belly dish, but guess what? I'm not eating it because I'm going to whoop your ass in this weight loss competition. So back oh, to yeah. you, belly. Third round pick. Um. You know what? I kind of made my list quick and there's a bunch of other ones that I probably could put in here, but um, I'm going to go with Invader Zim. 
Um, I remember that was a show I did not watch as religiously, but Gurr was one of the funniest characters in all of Nickelodeon, the little spastic robot. Um, there's one, if you have the time, go to YouTube and look up, do you want to make biscuits? And I sent it to my one buddy every single year on his birthday. And he's like, can you stop this tradition? And I'm just like, <laughs> do you want to make biscuits? <laughs> I mean, I couldn't even tell you like one quote. Like that was one that came Same. on to like pass the time, but I was like, eh, fuck it. Like this is like some late night stuff. Like I feel like hey. this was like 11 p.m., 1 a.m. Nickelodeon. Yeah, I was in bed. I wasn't allowed probably, but I like how you're staying true to your heart, man. That's that's real shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good one, Bell. Thanks for letting the good ones fall down to me. Well, my list is kind of my list take is kind of want. What is it? It's Rocco's Modern Life. Nope. Damn. Which, it's dude, nuts. looking back at all of these shows, they were all perverted because wasn't Rocco a phone sex operator as his job? I don't remember. I remember he was like trying to figure out American life. He was like, was he Australian? Uh, he I can't was even a, remember. He was like a foreign animal. Yeah, he's a wallaby. <laughs> I don't even really know what that is. But yeah, I just remember that show always made me happy. And it was it was older. So that's like 93, 94. So it was definitely a reruns by the time I was around. But I don't know. That one always just warmed my heart. Oh, here we go. I found it. It says the, the 16 filthy jokes from Rocco's Modern Life you didn't know as a kid. One, number <laughs> one, the time Rocco became a phone sex operator. <laughs> <laughs> The shit they can get away with is actually impressive. Oh, yeah. No, I was never a Rocco's Modern Life kind of guy. I also never really had cable, so I would watch this at my grandparents' house. And that was just one that never, like, really jived with the times of me being around the TV. I was a big, (laughs) like, noon to, like, 6, 7 o'clock kind of guy for Nickelodeon. So, yeah, well... You gave me an easy one here, and I could go either way with this, but... Are you going to talk about your wiener? Yeah, I am going to talk about my wiener. (laughs) It is Jimmy Neutron, boy genius. Yes, it's just a great fucking show. I mean, Sheen and Carl are staple characters. I love Jimmy Neutron. Oh, it was a good show, no doubt. Did you know that... uh, I just know so much lore about Nickelodeon. Did you, you know do. that, like, if you were on, like, the Nickelodeon writer's shit list, they would send you to go work on Jimmy Neutron because it was so poorly managed and everybody hated working on it? it turned out to be an amazing show, though. Jimmy's dad was probably one of my favorite characters. Yeah, he was awesome. <laughs> do you remember the one episode where they accidentally, like, uh, he, like, turns the whole world to, like, a snow globe? And so Jimmy's dad's like, we got to feed the family. Let's go hunt some caribou. <laughs> <laughs> and then just go, look, 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 yeah, look, 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 yeah. Ooh, caribou. <laughs> Dude, Jesus, your memory how do you is have insane. all this shit down, man? I, just looked up one single episode for every single one. No, no, this is all off the now. top. This is all off the top. <laughs> I remember Goddard and Sheen, and they, those were my favorites. And then Carl was just a giant pussy. Yeah, but you, <laughs> you couldn't have three go. powerhouses in the friend group. True. Yeah, I guess you're right. What was the, like, um, I guess, like, the superhero's name that Shane, Sheen would always play with? Crash Nebula. Wait. Oh, no, no, no. Wait. No. Crash Nebula is very odd. Parent. It's purple. Ult- Ultra Lord? Yeah, Ultra Lord. That sounds right. Yeah, he was, like, obsessed. Yep. <laughs> I think they made, right. didn't they make a whole Sheen spinoff show, too? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I never watched that, though. Yeah, it was definitely Ultra Lord. I just looked it up. Ultra Lord. 
is awesome. Direct quote. <laughs> All right. Now, next one. I think I, I'm between two, but I got to go with Danny Phantom. It was just so unique and sick, and I it was one of my low-key favorite ones. Yo, Danny Phantom, he was just 14 when his parents built a very strange machine. Got to catch him all because he's Danny Phantom. Got to catch him all because he's Danny Phantom. I always thought Danny Phantom was one slick-looking character, too. Yeah, was. I, I love the superhero like, costume. I hope yep. I'm cool like that when I'm 14. Those are my thoughts when I was like seven. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Do you ever see those uh, those like memes on Facebook where it's like I blame Nickelodeon for the type of woman I'm into today, and it's always like the goth chick from Danny Phantom. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yep. It was uh, Sam Manson. That was the goth chick's name. Hmm. Some good. And then picks. Tucker Foley. <laughs> yeah. Danny Phantom had some sick villains too. I remember. Mm-hmm. There was cool ghosts that he had to catch, and then his dad is just a big square. With no legs. Look up his dad, Danny oh. Phantom dad, Jack Fenton. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, just always a... rocking the orange suit. <laughs> yeah, just an enormous square, man. <laughs> All right. What do you got, Mart? Your last I want to round it out here with the big cat dog. Ooh. Cat dog went hard, dude. Just a dog and a cat combined at the abdomen. I mean, that's kind of messed up, but they made it work. Pretty sure they made the dog kind of the dumbass, and then the cat was the smart one. Oh, yeah, but everybody liked dog better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I that mean, was the um, one that I was thinking about taking. My favorite episode from that was, and I still use this to the to this day, is I can't remember which one did which, but they were trying to argue over how to build a fire, and one used like a teepee and one used a log cabin. And so I would always try and find out which one built the better fire, the tiki or the log cabin. What's your findings say? I think I just used a teepee. I was going to say, yeah. you got to go with Survivor and Laura there. It's always yeah. the teepee. Yep, the teepee is yep. the way to go. Um, did you ever see the cat dog movie? I think I was too Maybe old by that kid, time and just didn't I care. I don't know. The whole premise of the movie was that they were trying to find their mom and dad, and they finally find it at the end of the episode. And his dad's a frog, and his mom's like this giant blue thing. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> but like, Damn. The, the dad would just sit on the mom's. Uh, oh yeah it's like a it's like the missing link it's just like a big blue it looks like it's from uh dr seuss like it's one of the uh like who are the guys that had the circles on their search bellies and the ones that didn't oh i know yeah i'm looking it up the frog and like just a big bean thumb looking thing yeah holy crap you remember their house just the fish and the bone oh yeah (laughs) that was my favorite I just remember there was like those three dogs that always came after him. And the one little one always ran the show. But you talk like this. Hey, dog, you want to make out? <laughs> Dude, that parent kind of looks like a quagsire from Pokemon. All right, Belly, finish it off. What's your last pick here? All right. Well, just a just a, a tough one for this last one. Uh, I'm definitely going non-cartoon. This was a show when I was a little kid, I'd be watching it and I would just be angry at how bad the participants would do. And that's Global Guts with Mike O'Malley. Mike O'Malley watching these kids play these games and they were all just awful at them. You don't remember the aggro, Craig? No, No, I don't remember any of this. Are you kidding me? So the, the way the show worked... There were like three kids and they did all these different athletic events and whoever did the best um, got like a starting position or they got to try to get to the top of the aggro, Craig. 
And then if you won the mountain at the end, you just got a piece of this aggro crag, which was just a giant rock. It was the worst trophy ever, but it was an athletic uh, specimen. You had one kid that would just dominate every time and the other two would just get absolutely demolished. <laughs> I remember like slime time live. Remember in like the summertime when they had like the slime time summer? I remember that for sure. Yes. I think Ben's age is showing a little bit because I don't remember this guy. Oh, yeah, I, I forgot you guys got some. Uh, you're a little behind me because. Like Global Guts was definitely an earlier show. Yeah, 92. Damn. What is it? Globo or global? Global, like around the world. Global. Okay. Yep. No, I'd never heard of it. But I can't believe you never watched Global Guts. I mean, you might uh who knows? Maybe you, you get the win because of global guts. But Probably I'm, not based yeah. on uh the fact that most of the votes come from your Instagram and everybody's a child. Well, you could put it on yours too, Belly. You're more than welcome to, but Global Guts, never heard of it. I think you would have been better off with Slime Time Live, but... Well, I was between that and Legends of the Hidden Temple. Yeah, and... Legends of the Hidden Temple is a good one. And also Double Dare. Never heard of Double Dare. You don't remember? Nope. With Mark no. Summers? I remember, like, all that in the Amanda show. Oh, yeah, you guys... Yep, yeah, I think my too. age is showing, Mark. You're right. <laughs> Ben, you were like sort of concerned about doing this topic and you are absolutely acing every detail about this. <laughs> yeah, you know every single thing about it. <laughs> I, I was raised on Nickelodeon, man. And then Cartoon Network <laughs> came out and I shifted a little bit. Uh, I shifted hard into Cartoon Network when Toonami came out with Dragon Ball Z and then I was hooked on that. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. You watched a fuck ton of TV when you were a kid. I actually had to read books and play outside and stuff. Well, my brothers and sisters were eight and 10 years older than me. I'm a big old oopsie baby. So all I could do is watch TV while they're at school. <laughs> well, I'm glad your parents made that mistake because we're graced to have you here with us fucking up this draft. But that's going to do it. We'll have this out on the Instagram poll tomorrow. So please feel free to vote for your favorite so we can pick a winner here. Let's get to some uh, honorable mentions. Ben, I know you've got a a few that you're chomping at the bit to get off your chest. Go ahead. Let us have it. See, well, now I just think that you guys aren't even going to know these, but do you remember Angry Beavers? Yes. yes. I, Angry Beavers. I was going to pick that one. What about Ah, Real Monsters? No. Nope. Barely. No. Um, what else do I have on here? Are You Afraid of the Dark? Nope. Nope. What about Figure It Out? Nope. Nope. Oh, man. I am old as shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you are. <laughs> I was going to mention wild thornberries to that guy's. Like, yep, yeah. Donnie <laughs> Darwin, Eliza. Yeah. <laughs> Eliza Thornberry. Yep, I like that one. Ned's Declassified. Martin, yep. I thought you were going to pick that. Or Zoe 101. I feel like I remember you saying Zoe 101 oh, was like your favorite. It was a babe. Yep. Yeah, there was a period where I was like, damn, I wish I went to that school, even though I was like 10. I just yeah. wanted her and Chase to get together, man. Yeah. I remember that one episode it. where they were trying to, somebody was trying to learn how to drive stick shift. And I remember it was like like squashing grapes. Like they did like wax on wax off basically to teach them how to do, to drive stick shift. Pretty sure she got knocked up and it canceled the show way earlier than that. I think you're right. And now and she's he... on like a, like a, some kind of like Navy SEALs training show, like with celebrities to see if they could pass through like the tests. And then did you ever no. watch Ned's Declassified? Yeah. Yeah, oh, Ned's yeah. Declassified was awesome. I um, love that one meme where it's like, can Ned come up with another survival guide? Because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing anymore. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I Carly, that one was one of my favorites. Shout out to Ned. all that as well. 
All yep. that was a banger. I thought like that was supposed to be the most popular one, but I never watched it much. The Amanda, 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 Amanda show. Yeah, that's the one that deserves a shout. I love that. I almost picked it actually. Dude, looking back on the Amanda show, some of the writers were just nuts, man. Yeah. You're looking back on it now. Oh shit! <laughs> Taking Belly back down his childhood. Let's do Cartoon Network next week, and we'll have a whole nother long segment. I knew this was going to be a good one, dude. Corbin didn't even want to do it. No, I absolutely did. It was a good one. All right, Belly, that's going to do it for the draft. So let's hop into those guts. Let's get in there. I'm a you're a little kangaroo, and I'm a little baby, and you're my marsupial mommy. Let's get in the guts, bowels of the belly. Go. <laughs> well, this one's going to be more of a group discussion because. I mean, this whole Christmas vacation was a blur. Just a lot of a lot of seeing old friends and whatnot. But uh, this story comes from uh, this Saturday, a little New Year's Eve action. I want you to tell me about your day with the Michigan game because I'll tell you about mine. This is the first time Kendall is a Michigan fan or family's Michigan fans. So I was hanging out with a sea of yellow, and I'm rock- rocking my neutral gray in this bar. And man, the Walmarts were out and cooking. I slammed the TCU plus seven and a half or whatever it is to start the game, feeling confident the whole time. I'll tell you one thing. These kids cheer for every two-yard gain. It was unbelievable. (laughs) And I'm just sitting there with a grin on my face, especially when they turned it over in the end zone or uh, sorry, in the red zone, and they got that pick, pick six. Ooh, it was just a sweet, sweet game. But I want you guys to tell me how it went for you. Yeah. Oh, we were pre-gaming. We were over at Mike's house and I was actually looking at your text belly and I was laughing because I knew you were in a war zone by yourself, just a lone ranger behind enemy lines. And, Every uh, time it was a good TCU play, you should have seen my face. It's just turning red, just like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a great game. I, I personally didn't have a whole lot of skin in the game. I think I put five bucks on, on Michigan money line, like a fool parlayed with Ohio State who did cover. But yeah, lost money on that. That was really all I cared about. You took Michigan money line. I mean, before the game, that's what all the talk was. But I just kept I think the whole game, I just kept yelling, yelling, Max Dugan's a gladiator. And looking back at the stats, he didn't do that much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I threw like a unit on TCU to cover just because I wanted to be the contrarian, but um, it was supposed to be just a weekend up in Traverse City with Emma and I, but turns out like one of her friends ended up going up there with some of her family. And so we met up with them and there was a couple of Michigan fans there, but I got talking to some of them and they said they went to Michigan State. And so I'm sitting next to one of the guys, he goes to MSU and we're watching the game at this brewery and everyone's cheering. I don't really see him react. And so I just try and like confide in him because I'm s- surrounded by the enemy here. And I'm just like, Hey man, like you don't actually want Michigan to win. Do you? And he's just like, uh, yeah, yeah, I actually do. Like my, my mom went there and like, I root for them. Like when Michigan state's not playing and I'm just like, fuck, like I really am all alone here. And so then as soon Michigan threw that pick six and yeah, I mean, it was just TCU the whole way from there. I didn't get to watch the second half, but it, it was funny because they had that one big run on that opening drive and then that bar just died down and it was dead silent. I'm just sitting there silently, just loving life, trolling Cam Fowler. It was so much fun. You guys went in on Cam. <laughs> he had no reinforcements and you guys were just tearing him apart. He doesn't get it. I had like another one to retaliate to, like some of the texts, and I just like let it go because I knew he would have just kept going. I was just really ready to just fucking razz his ass. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was finally able to, but I mean, they had a good season. Sure. They had a good year last year too. They make it to the college football players two consecutive years, but at the same time, I love just watching Harbaugh fumble the bag because I mean, he really just blew it. Yeah. And then, uh, and then Ohio state missed the field goal. And now the college football playoff is set. What do you guys think about that final game? Well, I mean, I don't watch too much college football, honestly. Like, I mean, I'll watch it here and there, but like, I barely even got to watch the Ohio state, Georgia game. I saw I missed the whole thing. Clips. Yeah. Because we were just doing Same. other stuff for new year's Eve. And I kind of dedicated that to the lady because you know, I wanted to have Sunday for the lions. So <laughs> I gave up my Saturday. Smart but, man. I mean, it would be nice to see the horn frogs win something. I like their little social media team, their posts that they put on there when the frogs won. That was great. It would be nice. I like to see their, somebody their jerseys. Get it done. Yeah. And yeah. And I like a few of their prospects for dynasty. So that's really the only skin in the game I have. And also I don't think they've won since 1937. So you know, I'm kind of sick of all these same five teams winning it all. So obviously I'm gonna root for the underdog. I could see it being a twenty point blowout in Georgia's favor, though. I mean, I'm not oh, yeah. much of a college guy, but I do know that TCU kind of got some luck on their side and I don't know. I think in a rematch, Michigan wins that, but probably, but I'll take the thirteen and a half point dogs for a small amount of money just to have some fun. Fair. Yeah. Go horn frogs. Let's get them one. I've been, yeah. I've liked TCU since LaDainian Tomlinson. Well, Same. ever since I found out LaDainian Tomlinson. I was going to say, say <laughs> in the womb. I had, fun fact, I had a fat head of him on my uh, wall as a kid back when we were watching his Nickelodeon show. So I'm an LTOG. Yeah. Go frogs. All right, belly. Let's get into it. We've only got two more of these. Do I have the chance to go over 500? I'm eight and nine right now. What do you got for me this week, Belly? So, Corbin, the question is, how bad do you want it? Uh, I had to tap into some uh, friends here, uh, our good old boys, Greg, Tyler, Brad, and Cam. And Cam said a couple that I've already repeated. So <laughs> so then um, someone brought up that um, Emma would have to have a hall pass on your worst enemy. And I said that, well, well who's his worst enemy? <laughs> and Brad goes, well, it's obviously Jim Harbaugh. So the question is... Would you let Emma get piped by Jim Harbaugh and Cam threw in that he's got a huge pipe, by the way, and only once though, but then for every birthday recurring for the rest of the time, she has to give you a 10 minute recap of it. <laughs> All right. I'm moving to eight and 10. No, fuck that dude. That would be absolutely <laughs> awful. I would probably off myself. Like there's no coming back from that. And first of all, Jim Harbaugh has a tiny wiener, dude. I mean, I know, but someone just goes that he's got a pipe. That's a stupid one, belly. I know it was a stupid one, but that's all I have. But you know what? As a lifeline, I'll go ahead and throw that the last week's worth three. Okay, fine. I got the old, the old, the old XFL tiebreaker rules. That's fine with me. My hope is still alive. I'm sitting at eight and 10 with an absolute fucking awful one. Thanks a lot for that one, Cam. You're real (laughs) gracious, but that's going to do it for this week, guys. Thanks again for listening. If you're a new listener, please remember to follow, subscribe, like, and download on Spotify, Apple podcasts, and any and all major platforms. Don't forget to leave us a review. Give us five stars. Follow me on Twitter at like Corbyashi. We've got the belly and the fish Instagram and Twitter's going as well. So DM me any ideas or text me something that you'd like to hear on the podcast. We've got the off season coming up. Not a whole lot of lions talk to be had. So we'll be filling it in with some fun stuff for belly. 
And please continue to spread the good word. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, and anyone and everyone you can think of. We appreciate the love and support, guys. Yeah, I just want to say a big thank you to Mart, whose uh, laptop seems to have died. Oh, wait, he's back in Corbin's mic. So big thank you to Eric Martin. Um, yep, leave us five stars. Thanks for listening and spread the word so we get some more views going into this offseason or postseason. We'll wait and see. Mart, you got anything to say for the viewers? Appreciate round two with you guys. Looking forward to another one if I earned it, and uh, we'll see how it goes this week. And that's going to do it, guys. With that said, <laughs>